Hey, good morning again, everyone, and welcome to our online worship gathering. I'm glad you could join us. Uh, some of you are new to our church and maybe newer to the faith, and you're just joining us for the first time uh, for Church Online. And if so, you might notice a link um, as you're looking through your browser. Make sure to click on that and look at our website later on when you get it. Uh, we'd love to connect with you more personally and to be able to correspond through email. Or if you'd like to sign up for a newsletter that comes out every Friday, you can do that too. Others of you, you're, you've been part of Access for a long time. Uh, and this is completely new for you. Uh, joining church online, it's new for me. Uh, I'm preaching out of uh, the kitchen area of my home. Uh, I wanted to be able to bring the Word of God and some prayer and some meditation for us today. Um, and uh, in order to practice safe social distancing, um, I'm trying this new format out. So uh, let me know how you feel about it and how you're responding to this. Uh, it's new for me and hopefully everything sounds and looks okay. But as we get started, let's pray together and let's look uh, for guidance from God. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, as we pray together in this moment, I just pray and ask that you would take uh, whatever words I can share this morning and whatever things I have to offer. And may it be a blessing to you and a blessing to everyone who hears it. And we pray and entrust this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I'd like to give a three-part spiritual guide. Uh, three things to kind of think about and meditate upon as we do this pandemic thing together. And um, this is new territory for all of us, and some of us have been looking online at articles. I've been researching all week long about these things, and I'm thankful that there's some guides to think about how to get groceries, how to get packages, how to make sure you stay clean and not get viruses that way. So those are very helpful guides for us at this time. And I was thinking this week, I'd like to give a spiritual guide to the pandemic. Things that we can think about and do and practice during this time that's really new for all of us. So we're navigating new waters. How can we keep grounded spiritually? And I'd like to offer three things in particular to help us navigate these things together. Um, I don't have my normal slides in front of me. I have my laptop right here. But hopefully um, I'll be able to post those in between and stitch them into you. Yeah. Um, so as we enter in, I want to just help us think about one thing in particular when it comes to this pandemic and us getting into scripture together. Because scripture was given to a people who were persecuted. When we think about the early church, and as the early church received the words uh, that were written to them in the Gospels and in these New Testament letters, they were people who were under persecution. Some of them had lost jobs, some of them lived under the threat of death, some of them were in jail. And as they received these words and these stories and these um, encouragements and wisdom from Scripture, they did so as people who were living under kind of a pressure cooker, if you will. And many of us feel like we're under a pressure cooker of sorts today because of the pandemic. And so I want us to know that scripture was written in this kind of environment and given to people who are facing these kinds of troubles. And as we enter in, we're also entering in as the people of God and receiving from the Lord these same words. So my first advice 
to us as we're entering into this pandemic and thinking about what spiritual uh, groundwork we can lay is number one, to practice good soul care. Practice good soul care. Now, what is soul care, uh, you might ask? Soul care, uh, one way I like to define it is this. It is caring for the health of our inner being. Caring for the health of our soul. Um, caring for the health of what goes inside all of us in here, interior-wise. You know, here at Access, we often talk about um, we, uh, the iceberg being an image for how we envision humanity. Uh, the human beings are like icebergs, where 10% of an iceberg's mass resides above the surface of the water. And about 90% of the mass is underneath the surface, 90%. And what happens on the top is one thing, but a lot of what goes on, what dwells beneath the surface, informs and actually determines what we see at the top level. So we have things like feelings and emotions. We have dreams. We have thoughts and ideas. Uh, we have ambitions and desires. We have a personal origin story and a family history. All of these things in our relationships, these things determine what's on the outside. So today, uh, I want to talk about two different types of soul care in particular that are needed in this season of pandemic. And the first, and this kind of comes about because I was on a prayer call with a number of different pastors and ministers um, in the area this past week. And on the one hand, there were folks who are feeling pretty overwhelmed. They have a lot to take care of. They have a lot of responsibilities. And so work life has kind of ramped up really high. They're feeling um, stressed out. They're feeling burdened for people. There's a lot more needs to take care of than ever before. And so as they were sharing on this prayer call, um, they were feeling um, stressed, anxious, um, burdened. Uh, and then there were a set of other folks that felt like because the pandemic has forced them into social distancing, much of their way of ministering and much of the things that they're normally doing, um, including traveling, has all been cut down. And so they've been at home. They've been trying to navigate new waters, and they find themselves with a lot more free time. So I wanted to give a words of uh, soul care for both types of scenario. Now, you may not be a pastor or you may not work in the church environment, but you may kind of fall into one of these categories where you're either overworking or kind of underworking. So for those of you who are in kind of that overworking uh, there's a story that comes to us from Mark chapter 1, and it's a time in the ministry of Jesus where he is very active and there's a lot going on. In Mark chapter 1, verses 32 and following, it reads as follows. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. 
he left the house and he went out to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's, that is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So Jesus was surrounded by needs. He had this entire town that had come out and asked him for healings, to be freed from uh, demonic oppression, to be uh, different problems for them. And so he was flooded um, with need after need. Uh, there's a painting that I, I like putting up sometimes, and this painting is just uh, one way of imagining what those needs could have looked like with many people coming to Jesus, listening and wanting his attention. And if you can imagine life being that hectic with that many amounts of people asking for your help, you kind of get an idea of what it's like to be overwhelmed with different types of needs. So Jesus did something very unusual. He woke up early in the morning, he left where he was, and he went to a solitary place to pray. This is kind of the essence of soul care. He needed to care for the health and vitality of his own soul. And because he had so much to think about and so much to do, he really needed some time to get away, pull away from all the demands and the voices that had come crashing into his life to find clarity to be able to pray and to process all that was going on. He needed time with God. Now the interesting thing is when his disciples and Simon came to him in particular and asked him, hey, everyone's looking for you. Jesus, where did you go? Um, he said, let us go to the next town. Now he didn't finish healing everyone or teaching everyone or solving everyone's dilemma in that moment, but he decided to go to the next town because he had gained clarity through his own time of soul care. He was able to, to come to that place of peace and say, I need to go to the next town because that is why the Father has sent me, to proclaim the good news of the gospel. It's a very difficult thing to be able to pull away from needs, uh, for a lot of needs, especially when they come um, and demand our solution. Because a lot of times those of us especially those of us who are caregivers, feel really responsible and we love to take care of people. And when we do that, when we're in that mode, it's very easy to neglect our own selves. It's easy to forget that we have needs to be taken care of as well. And we're so busy taking care of the needs of our children, of our family members, of those who are elderly, or those who have invested into our care, that we don't have enough time to care for the needs of our own soul. And Jesus gives us a good example here. Now, this passage here in Mark chapter 1 is sometimes taught in a way that's kind of like shooting people, right? It's, it's taught as like, look at what Jesus did. He got away early in the morning and he prayed. And you should do this as well. And I, I think there's some wisdom in this. But really, I want us to understand this is a narrative. This is a story. This is an example of Jesus' wisdom 
And this is what he did when he was flooded with needs. And maybe to take a step back from the, the voice that tells us we should be praying, is to look at the story and understand this is the example of wisdom. This is what Jesus did. And when Jesus got away to pray, he found clarity. And this is how he cared for his own soul. And this is what we need to do as well. Um, there's a couple of questions that come uh, as we enter into soul care. And I've listed them out here. And these might be helpful for you if you never really uh, have engaged in much soul care for yourself or with other people. But let me read to you a couple of these questions that have been very helpful for our community. What is the state of my soul? What is my mood? What is my energy level like? And what is my capacity to keep going at the pace that I'm going at? And underneath that question, you may be asking yourself how much sleep I'm getting. Am I getting enough regular meals? How am I dealing with stress? And how would my family and my friends assess my state of soul? As you do some of this personal assessment, as you come to some kind of clarity about your own situation, the next kind of question that you want to be asking yourself is this. It's a prayer to God. God, what do you want me to know? How do you want me to be navigating this circumstance? You might do this through journaling. Uh, journal this out and find a moment to be peaceful with God and to listen. Or if your circumstances don't exactly allow for that, you can ask for this just in the moment. God, what do you want me to know? And God knows what you need. And if you can't pull away for an extended period of time because you have young ones to care for because they're demanding their needs to be met, um, God meets you in that just as well. It's not always feasible to find a quiet and solitary place. And one of the realities that uh, staying home and uh, sheltering in place demands is that we just have to work with a lot of other people who are now very close in our proximity. Now, there is another type of situation that I described earlier. So there are those people overwhelmed and maybe overworked right now. And I hope that word is a comfort to you. But you might be in a situation where all of a sudden your work life has been stripped and you don't have the same schedule that you've had for the last few years. In fact, there's a lot of uncertainty with that, a lot of free time to worry about that uncertainty, and you might find yourself in that kind of situation. You know, as a pastor, I've noticed that for many folks, that when habits and routines are all of a sudden shifted and changed, this is not always a very healthy situation. In fact, some of the things that keep us normal and kind of at a steady pace, when they're taken away from us, we slip into less than healthy ways with God. We sometimes take a step backwards in our spiritual development. And this is something really to be paying attention to. When you're in that kind of mode, and when some of the routines that you've counted on for a long time have been stripped, um, this is time to begin to renew some commitments and maybe to put some new things in place uh, to help you walk in a more steady fashion with God. Um, 
one of the things that um, have typically kept me kind of grounded over the years is I work out pretty vigorously, like three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm at the gym. Oftentimes, I'm in the pool. I'm swimming. That keeps my mood pretty neutral and helps me to get rid of stress so that when I, when I get home into the evening hours, I'm not stressing out on my family with any and the kids. Uh, I'm not kind of pushing that on them. But with the coronavirus, all of a sudden the gyms are closed. It's not a great idea to be swimming and to be in a locker room full of people. Um, and so I really miss those routines. And I've replaced some of my routines with some unhealthy habits. One of them being, uh, the first thing I do in the morning is I check the news. I just reach over to my nightstand, I grab the phone, and I, I just punch out the news. I'm looking at reading it and I'm, I'm getting stressed out. Now I do this for 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I'm just reading news article, listening to videos, listening to updates. And I'll just tell you, this is not my norm, but I feel like I need to do this to get a handle on the issues of the day. And because of that, by the time I get to some of my other activities, I'm not in the best state of soul. I'm a little stressed out. My normal routines have been upended. So there's a passage of scripture I just want to share with you. This comes from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 says this in the New International Version. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I've included also here the King James Version. Uh, I don't often quote from King James, but this is one of those uh, passages that I like the phrasing uh, that the King James gives. It's a little older, but listen to this. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And I've outlined here, redeeming the time. And the reason for that is because so many of us have this mentality in mind. I'm just wasting time, or I'm just killing time, you know. Uh, how many times have you ever said that because you're stuck in a place where you're kind of bored, you're not sure what to do, and you've got some time to kill? Well, the advice, the wisdom given to us in Scripture is this. Redeem the time. Use it wisely. There are things that you can do to maximize your time. And the important thing here is to learn that, hey, there are better things that we can do. So some of the advice here like to give is really if your structure and your day has all has been upended take a moment to restructure your day um, I sometimes use alarms on my phone to remind me to do important things like drink water I know that's a basic thing for people but I'm the type of person who can be in front of the computer and I'm typing away and I'm thinking about something and I'm super focused I don't know the time I don't know I'm not keeping track of other things, and I may be glued to the computer for a bit. And so I need things like the alarm to remind me, hey, drink water, take a break. Uh, I have alarms that in the evening to remind me to stretch my back because I have back problems. <laughs> I've shared that with you many times before, but 
those things actually help me. The alarm goes off and I look at it and says, stretch, drink water, take a break. And so those things help me stay uh, with a schedule that helps me to navigate when my normal schedule has been blown out. Um, in addition, I wanted to send, end this section with a word from J.R. Tolkien from The Lord of the Rings. Uh, so we've been watching some movies as a family. We've been re-watching The Hobbit. And uh, I thought about this quote. It comes from The Lord of the Rings. Um, and in it, if you're not familiar with uh, the characters, uh, Frodo, who's one of the main characters, has been given this assignment, this task. And it's really heavy. It's a burden to carry the ring, which could destroy his world if it's fallen if it falls into the hands of someone evil. So it's his mission to go take care of the ring. And Gandalf is a wisdom figure in the series. And so he's having this moment where he's come to a really hard place. He's tired, he's worn down, and he's expressing some of his frustration. And he says, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. And, you know, I can so much identify with these words. I mean, I wish this virus and this pandemic had not happened in my time either. But Gandalf replies, so do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. This is a challenge for many of us. How will life look like now in this new season where we're dealing with this pandemic? We're learning to re-navigate our lives. We're learning to put down new markers for what our time will look like. And Ephesians reminds us and gives us this, this encouraging word. Redeem the time. All right, next on our spiritual guide um, comes uh, is to learn again some spiritual words. Learn some spiritual words. So staying at home is a really interesting dynamic for many people because all of a sudden we're with our family members more than ever before. Uh, and in some ways I'm really grateful for that. Um, I kind of feel closer to Amy and the kids than ever before. We're sharing more meals together. Uh, we're hanging out in the evenings. We're playing games. We're watching movies. We're doing a lot of good things together. And this is almost like our summer schedule uh, where we have a lot of free time where we're sharing together. But at the same time, and this happens to us almost every summer, there comes a point in our summers together where things don't go so well, where we have a blow up. So one summer we were in Spain together uh, and the four of us, um, because we were living in cramped quarters and it was hot, we really just had to, to make the best of it. And when we were sharing this room, there was actually no, is this one room together and one bathroom. The four of us were just, just really compressed time. We had spent most of the day outside, we were hot, we were bothered and we wanted to do different things. And for whatever reason, Amy and I got in this huge argument. I mean, it was a big blow up. And I don't know if you've ever been in those circumstances where, you know, you're just so hot and you're so bothered that you don't really care anymore. I mean, 
I noticed that people began looking at us because my voice was elevated. I was probably red-faced and I was kind of speaking really loudly and same in return. Amy was saying the same to, to me in return, but I didn't care who was looking at me because I was so mad and so upset. And one of my daughters, who shall not be named, she kind of got into the mix as well and she got caught up in all the heat of things and tears began to flow because, I mean, it wasn't her fault, but she said some things and it made us even more angry and all of us were just arguing. Um, one daughter wisely stayed out of it, but this whole thing ended up in us walking in different directions um, and having really needing to cool off because things got so hot, so bothered. And I say these things because, let's be honest, we're spending a lot of time together during this pandemic. And because of that, it's not always going to go smoothly. And here is the reality. We tend to get in the worst arguments with the people we love the most. It's just reality. It happens to all of us. We get in the worst fights with the people we care about the most. And I think sometimes that comes because the people who are closest to us can wound us the most. They know exactly what to say to get under our skin. And they may slip up and say something that they don't mean in the moment or vice versa. I might say something that I don't fully mean, but it's hurtful. It hurts Amy. It hurts their kids. It hurts the kids. And it's not a moment to be proud of. Let me point us in the direction of scripture for just a minute. So throughout this week, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer. Some of us have been doing this together because it's part of our devotion, uh, devotional that we're going through, the N.T. Wright uh, devotional on the New Version Bible app. And in Luke chapter 11, it gives us a version of the Lord's Prayer that I want to read to us this morning. Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, and we, as for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. So here's the kind of reality that Jesus was pointing at. This was meant to be a daily prayer because we see, give us each day our daily bread. Um, Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray this on a daily level so that they could ask God every day for daily bread. But he was also teaching them uh, a normal rhythm as part of this prayer. It was the prayer for forgiveness. Forgive us, Lord, for our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And this is the reality that Jesus understood and he knew that we would be living into. As fallen people, we sin against other people, we sin against God, and we need to learn the language of forgiveness. These words help us to live into the reality of our humanity. And so these are the words that we need to know and become familiar with again during this pandemic. And these are really, they really are spiritual words. The first is this. It's learning to say, I'm sorry. It's acknowledging that we've done something that has hurt someone else. It's acknowledging the 
this and say, I'm sorry. So I'd like us all to kind of practice this as we're watching online. Um, kids, if you're watching along with us, um, learn to say this. Just say it. Just practice it. I'm sorry. Parents, if you're watching this, repeat this after me. Practice this with me. I'm sorry. And as a whole church, all of us watching together, can we say this together? I'm sorry. These are words that shouldn't be too hard for us to say. And yet, actually, I know they're very hard for us to say sometimes because it requires us to swallow our pride and to admit some wrongdoing. Even though we know sometimes in the moment that another party, a friend or a family member, has done some wrong to us as well. Now, sometimes I'm sorry is just the start. And if there has been a larger blow up, a larger kind of conflict that has happened, I'm sorry is not enough. We need some deeper words to help go one step in um, one step deeper into that conflict. And here are some examples of, of what we need to do that takes us one step deeper. How did I hurt you? I want to make this right. Can you share with me the impact of my actions? Some of you who have gone through Faith Walking, which is a ministry that we um, highly advocate here at, at Access, uh, know some of these words, and they're important for our healing journey. And they're important for us to follow the way of Jesus. But these words are important for us to practice because it's going to happen. This is reality. Now, um, also in, ex in, in this kind of uh, forgiveness mode, there are also some other words uh, that we need to become familiar with. It's okay. And maybe we can all practice this together too. So kids, if you're tuning in, can you say this with me? Say it. It's okay. And parents, similarly, if you're watching, uh, learn to say this too. It's okay. And together as a church, wherever you might be in whatever circumstances you might find yourself Say this with me. It's okay. Now, this is not as formal of, of language as I forgive you. And sometimes you don't need to go to that extent to say, I forgive you. You know, um, maybe you bump into somebody in the hallway. You don't need to say, I forgive you. It's a little bit overdramatic for a, for a small wound. But it's okay helps us to get started. And it's Okay helps us to acknowledge and let the other person know that even though some wounding happened, you're okay with it, they're okay, and the status of the relationship is okay. Now, in the case when the conflict goes a little bit deeper and the exchange and the wounding is a little bit deeper and you need to do um, some deeper work, the forgiveness word is very you may not be able to forgive right away, but this is the life that God has taught us to live. We are meant to be a people who do forgive, who follow the way of Jesus and do learn to forgive. So these are the exchanges. I'm sorry, and it's okay, 
and I forgive you. Some of us have grown up in households where these words are pretty foreign to us. Our parents never spoken to, uh, spoke them to us. We weren't really expected to say them back. We just kind of brushed things under the rug, and if there was a conflict, we just kind of pretended they didn't happen. But that's not necessarily the way of Jesus. And the Lord's Prayer teaches us this. We are to call upon God for forgiveness and to forgive others. And in the same way, likewise, we are learning to deal with those friction moments that happen in our relationship. Okay, there's one more thing I wanted to guide this morning. And that is to find ways to be an encourager. Find ways to be an encourager. You know, before Access began, I used to serve at another local church. And uh, we, I served as part of a staff team with really dedicated and very faithful people. And some of these folks were just so dedicated to ministry and served really hard. And together, we started going through a season of real discouragement. There were a lot of hard things happening at the church. And when we came for our staff meetings each week, we had just really hard things to share with, you, with each other. Bad news, bad reports, discouragement, or comments that had come our way, and very, uh, maybe some unkind words to share. And after a while, I became pretty discouraged. And frankly, I didn't really want to go to staff meetings because I knew what was going to happen. We would show up, we'd sit around the table, and we'd get into problem-solving mode right away because people would bring problems and we'd start solving them or just talking about them, and it became just this real spirit of discouragement. And one day I remember showing up and I said, you know, maybe we ought to just kind of take a moment to give thanks and focus our eyes on things that are good. And maybe we can just start our meetings that way. And kind of in a moment of frustration, a fellow staff member was there and kind of just shared, there is nothing good. There's not a whole lot to be thankful for, frankly. And that was just a, mere, a moment of pure frustration from that staff member. It fully didn't re reflect their heart, I'm sure. But it kind of echoed what all of us were feeling because we were so engrossed with discouragement that's all we were bringing to the table. But the next week, we began to do that. We began giving thanks. We began and start our, started our staff meeting with prayer and thanksgiving and really focusing our eyes on God. And over the course of weeks and months, that began to really change us. It was spiritually transformational. It was really healthy for us to get into a place each week where we were giving thanks to God as a staff team. And I share this with all of you because we live in some really discouraging times. Like I was saying, I, I start off a lot of mornings these days just kind of looking at the coronavirus updates and I get discouraged. I look at the projections and I'm thinking worst case scenario. I'm trying to project things for access, access and what's going to happen in the next several months and I'm, I'm thinking worst case scenarios. And I'm not really in a great mood by the time I get to the computer and I'm emailing and maybe talking to people. It's not a healthy place to be. I'm discouraged. And I'm guessing that some of you are feeling that discouragement as well. And as we live into these times, 
Um, there are some really important words from the book of Hebrews that I want us to focus on. Hebrews chapter 10. Listen carefully. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now this passage is part of a longer line of reasoning. So the, re the line of reasoning kind of goes like this. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the chosen one, the Messiah from God, who has come to save us from sin and from death. And he did this by dying on the cross. And those who believe in faith and trust in him enter into this new life with him. Now, this new life is not just some consumer good. We, just, we don't just receive it, consume it, and move on with our lives. No, we actually enter into a new kind of reality. You are a new person. You are entering into a new covenant. And there are new realities for you to experience. And one of those is this. It is to live closely with other people who are part of this new covenant as well. Don't give up meeting together. And do this as often as you can. Encourage one another. Encourage one another, and all the more, all the more as you see tough and difficult times coming. So let me help you imagine it this way. So what would you rather experience? Would you rather run a race where you had crowds surrounded who were just booing at you, calling you names, telling you you won't make it, you can't run, your form is terrible, you're, gonna, you're not going to make it to the finish line? Or would you rather run a race where the people around you actually believe in you, are speaking words of encouragement, telling you to go on, who are running alongside of you? Or can you imagine this? Um, can you imagine, um, as a business person, venturing out on your own, starting a new business, and having everyone around you telling you, you're not going to make it. Your idea is terrible. You're not going to have enough money. You're not going to survive it till next year. Being surrounded with those voices, it really does take a toll on who you are. But imagine if you're a business person, and all of a sudden you have people around you, coaches telling you, you can make it. This is how you can make it. We believe in you. We want to back you. We want to support you. We want to come to your business and help you make it. This is what encouragement is all about. See, you and I have this ability given by God to be able to speak encouragement into other people's lives. And when we do this, we are exercising faith. We are living out love. Encouragement is just a very practical expression of love. This is really interesting that this past week um, I saw this news article, um, one of the more positive experiences that have come out of the coronavirus updates that I get. But uh, there was a man who went back into, uh, went back to the emergency room where he and his wife were, and he held up a sign to the staff 
of the emergency room. And it said, thank you, because his wife was saved in the emergency room. He, did, he was thanking the nurses and the doctors and the healthcare workers, all of the people that were sitting there. And because of social distancing, he couldn't go in himself, but he held up a sign and he posted it in the window. And um, the article went on to say that that was encouraging to the whole staff. In fact, it made some of the ER folks just start weeping. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think the folks in the ER save people's lives on a regular basis? Yeah, I'm sure they do. That's what the ER does. They save people's lives every day. But for someone to come back and show gratitude to them, well, that actually made the news because the truth is, encouragement is not that common. As the people of God and as the church of God, we need to learn to speak the words of encouragement, to be encouragers to those around us, to those who are facing difficult times. I know some of you are in the healthcare field and you are facing a lot of discouragement because you're being asked to do things above and beyond and you're not being thanked for it. And personally, I just want to thank you. Thank you for going above and beyond to make this world a safer place. Thank you for healing people. Thank you for sticking it out on the front lines. There's others of you who are working in situations where you're in contact with people and all of a sudden your workload has gone up so much and you're putting your own life at risk and it's not a very thankful position to be in. And as a church, you know, as Access, we want to extend thanks to you Thanks for keeping grocery stores open. Thank you for keeping vital businesses open. You're doing a service that is so important to the rest of us. Thank you for what you do. And I just want to encourage you and challenge us as a church this morning as we wrap up the message. There may be someone that needs a word of encouragement from you this week. And I want you to think about them. Just take a moment right now. Think of someone who needs a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it is a healthcare worker. We live in this amazing age where we can contact people at distance by a simple email or a text or a phone call. And before we wrap up today, I want you to keep that person in mind and make it your intention to encourage them this week. Make sure to send them a word of encouragement. And the way you can do that, a very honest way you can do that, is just take a moment to think about their life. What stands out to you? What has blessed you? What have they done? Or how have they been? How have they shown up in a way that has bless you. Call it out. Name it. Just say it. Speak it. Write it. Put it down and then send it to them and encourage them in the name of Jesus. Do this as a spiritual act and make this your mark in the world. Now as we wrap up our spiritual guide for the pandemic this morning, I know that there's a lot of other things I could have said. Um, I just want to say that we are learning to navigate some new 
waters together. And this, these are difficult times. But as we're learning to do this, stay connected to God. Stay connected to other people. Let's pray together. Loving God, through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity in Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus. Amen.